it out towards the big ruck. Then Thomas was in the front spot that time. Ball hits the deck. Handball over the top. Martin, he couldn't quite trap it, but had the skill to go after it again. Make that three. Make that three, you little beauty. He's a superstar, Kyle Martin. And he slammed through his first on the bending over his grass. Who's going to claim the ball? It's just falling out of hand. Now, can we have a shot at goal? It's against Spice. It's Spice. He's picked it up and he's just put it on the left. Is the Premier Division top six already decided after Blackburn miss a trick against Berwick and Doncaster East make a massive statement against Noble Park? Four won't fit into two as a quartet of sides look to squeeze into the Division one top five plus South Belgrave bounce back. Coldstream jump into second and the Kangarams can't quite make it two on the bounce. Welcome to the Eastland Monday Recovery with Matthew Fodia, Ryan Long and Wayne Brasher. Ryan, uh, you enjoyed a day at the MCG yesterday, mate, watching Dustin Martin turn it on against the Hawks but and Brash, you're out with me at Croydon. It was a it was a cold Saturday, but a nice Saturday of uh, football. Yeah, it was. No, I, I was. I had to have one week off to watch the Tigers <laughs> and get a win. So, you know, happy happy to see them uh, win. But you now, very interested in the results coming up this week. Um, uh, in in terms of the EFNL, um, a few sides like Doncaster East that we're going to speak about soon look to be you know send themselves uh, a spot in that top top four, um, let alone top six. So, you know, looking forward to a brash and you know across all divisions. Uh, Quite Ma- a few. Uh, absolute massive weekend. Like Manny, we got a chance to go and have our first look at Beaconsfield. And uh, look, uh, they're not a bad side. They just played one bad quarter of football and that was enough to put them out of the contest. Uh, the other three quarters, I thought they matched it up very well. As soon as they lift their intensity, they're as good as any side in, in Division 1. They've got that Mick, Mick Fogarty touch about them. There's a little bit of toughness, but there's also a bit of flair and pizzazz as well. Absolutely. Well, speaking of Mick Fogarty, his former side, Noble Park, were dealt a, a bit of a lesson um, at, at home yesterday against Doncaster East. The Lions did not lose a quarter. Uh, they jumped out to a quarter-time lead, six goals to four, and after that just kept on extending it. Ended up winning 112 to 77. Dylan Olley kicking six goals. The young man, uh, really impressive down there, adding to their height stocks. The top three, all pretty tall. Four fellas, Dylan Ollie, Chris Phelan and Zach Clark as Donny East jumped into second on the Premier Division ladder and we're joined by senior coach Ryan James. Ryan, uh, a pretty landmark day in the club's history. I guess they're having a few of those recently, but that was probably the best performance you've seen this year. Yeah, morning boys. Uh, thanks for having me. Yeah, it was. It was pleasing. Um, obviously, we thought we played reasonably well against South Croydon, but we thought this week was going to be the bigger test going to Noble. Um through a massive club and, and it's hard to beat at home. So we really wanted to back up our performance and, and just be a consistent footy team. And I, I think we um, more so just made a statement to ourselves that, yeah, we're a good footy team. And Ryan, you're, one of, you're probably one of the best attacking sides in the comp and, and you've spoken before about trying to move the ball you know, aggressively going forward. Um, have you been happy with the ball movement in the first five weeks? Uh, yeah, I have. Um, We've put a lot of emphasis on our ball movement. Um, I think that's been my biggest focus um, over the pre-season is just to change. I think we spoke about it a few weeks ago last last year. We were like long down the line to contest. Um, we're just trying to move the ball um, across the ground a little bit more and make opposition defend the whole ground, um, which then gives us yeah gives us better options. And, and I think you can see in our goal because there's uh, someone else popping up every week, which is good. And and on that, yeah, Dylan Ollie six goals, um, and you still had nine goal kickers anyway, so you weren't a hundred percent reliant on him. But what was what was his game like yesterday? Uh, he he was really good yesterday. Um, 
Uh, he didn't play just uh, permanent forward for us. He split his time uh, probably 50-50 with Zach Clark in the ruck. Um, but he's just growing with confidence. And I, and I think the game that you guys saw him against Jake first, I think he's just grown another leg since then. And, um, yeah, he's starting to believe that he can belong at this level. And he's starting to do it consistently, which is really good. Like, he's he's kept Zach Clark out of the starting ruck role for the last couple of weeks. With given us flexibility, and then when Zach comes in, a little bit fresher, not having to do 100 cent games on the rack. Zach's playing some really good footy as well. Morning, Ryan. It's Brash. Uh, congratulations once again. You probably easily could be sitting five and zero uh, um, in the season, but at the start of the season, and when I quickly spoke to you at Doncaster, you said the team was obviously going to start to get a bit stronger as some of your um, injured senior players starting to come back uh, through the lineup. We've started to see that now, and uh, so you must be really happy with the way um, that those players coming back into the side are gelling with the already good players that are in form. Yeah, yeah, it's spot on, Brash. Like, we, we think we're going to get better, like... Um like Joshy DeLuca hasn't had heaps of continuity with his footy, like being injured and um, had to go back to Perth for a, for his brother's wedding. And even yesterday, we didn't know that he was going to play till about just after 12 o'clock. He'd, we'd had a few boys crook all week, like most clubs probably did. So that's been the pleasing part. Like the players haven't been fussed by who we've got in or who we've got out because we haven't really had close to full strength yet. But um, yeah, it's creating pressure, but it's more so the boys just, Whatever team we roll out with, they just they know the system and they get on with it. One of the other pleasing factors, I think, you'll find that um, in the, in this competition, quarter by quarter point differentials, plus or minus, are a, a big say in you know in looking at your fit le- fitness levels. And I'm looking at your third and fourth quarters at the moment. We're looking at like plus fifty in the third quarter and plus sixty in the in the fourth quarter. So you must be really happy with the fitness levels and the way that the the players are really running out the games. Yeah, man, I am. and it, it gives the players confidence. Like we've got we've got a um, a fitness coach in Peter Green who um, should really be at a high level, but he's been really good with the boys. Like, uh, and it's also the boys putting in the work. We had a really strong preseason, um, and we're able to back that up to the players with data. Like all our players wear GPSs, so we can see how we're travelling in games, and we will talk about it during the week. And yeah, we're really happy with our with our second half, and it's. It doesn't entitle you um, to win, but it just gives you a little bit more confidence that that you can keep driving and, and the other team might be as fit as you, but you're going to find out if they are. Right, and tell us more about the actual game than yesterday because it was a pretty open one, um, which is probably not Noble Park's, I guess, motors operandi. They're usually a side that likes to keep the other team um, pretty well shut down. So in that first quarter when it was 10 goals between the two sides, did did personally, were you happy with that because you thought it suited your game style or was it just the way the, the cookie crumbled? No, uh, like we weren't overly happy with, with how open it was at the start. All week we like um, sold it to our boys that Noble liked to play a similar game style to us. So our emphasis was like we just need to defend better this week. So we had more of an emphasis on our defence and and we knew that they were going to open the ground up for us at times. It was just how if we could shut it down. And early on, we just trailed in a little bit and, and gave them what they wanted. Um, but then we adjusted. The boys adjusted. Like, um, pretty lucky to have Simon White down back who can set the, set the defence and get them back on target. And 
once we closed it down, we, we thought as good as Noble are in offense, um, we thought we could really challenge them with making them defend the whole ground, which, which kind of worked for us. Yeah, absolutely. 11 goals to six after quarter time. And the third quarter, five goals to just the one. What was the key message at half time? Because only three goals or three and a half goals in front of half time at the bull ring. Uh, a lot of sides have ended up giving away that second half um, lead um, out there. What was the key message at half time? And, and obviously it worked. So I'd like to hear what it was. Uh, just the key message was it was pretty similar to South Croydon. You know, it was when you're playing these these better teams, you just got to keep going. Um, you not might not see reward for effort initially, but if we just keep going, we'll grind and grind, and eventually we'll break. And, and once you can kind of get to that four or five goal break, it then obviously makes it harder mentally for the other team. And it was just about we felt that we were really on top, still weren't getting reward for effort, but just needed to needed to keep going and not not panic into going away from our game plan to find that killer blow. Just just back our system, which, yeah, the boys were really good with that and have been for the whole year, to be honest. And just on the midfield battle, it's probably no secret that uh, Noble Park have a, a really strong midfield with guys like Martin and Sketcher. Did you did you put any time in, into those sort of guys or did you just let your boys in the middle uh, play the way they want to play and, and uh, get on top that way? Oh, so we were obviously lucky enough that Sketcher didn't play yesterday. Um we did a little bit of work on Marto and um, Kyle Martin, and obviously I've heard about the record and things like that. And he's obviously a good player, but he played really well for them again yesterday. But um, we thought that um, if we put our better players through him, we could we could expose him going the other way. And it, Kyle was really good for them, but um, we obviously had uh, Chris Steele and Jimmy Appleby, Jimmy Locke, Josh Luca go through Kyle at times and the theory was Kyle's going to um, be really good at contested ball but if he's going to get his contested ball he's got to beat a good player but on the spread we thought we could get him a little bit and it's probably lucky enough that that worked, worked out for us yesterday but like I said Kyle played pretty well but we're happy with our midfield balance. Well, to be fair, Ryan, uh, you, you must be happy with uh, almost everything going on down at Zerbys Reserve, mate. Second on the ladder, best uh, best offense with almost 500 points scored, and you've got the best percentage in the comp. So you're just half, or just a game behind Roville. It's been a dream start for you, or almost dream start for you out there at Zerbys, mate. Thanks for joining us on the Monday recovery, and we'll we'll talk soon. Thanks, boys. Have a good day. Ryan James there, Doncaster East senior coach. He's, um, you know, having a, a pretty dream run of it, isn't he, Brash? Like you said, they could easily have been 5-0 and if it wasn't for, you know, a couple of lapses against Vermont in round one. And, and he spoke to us at Trans Reserve um, on Anzac round as well. And lapses were the key thing, and they didn't lapse yesterday, did they? No, they didn't. The thing is, look, it's Doncaster East of... You know, look, they've uh, they've paid their dues in um, in EFNL football. You know, they've they've lost premierships, they've won premierships. Uh, Steve Buckle guided them right up into Premier League. Probably didn't get an opportunity to show his coaching prowess um, in 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 uh, in Premier League. However, Ryan James is coming now and 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 just taken. I think. What Steve Buckle has put in place to a, to the next level, and the and the the buying from the Doncaster East uh, players themselves has been has been has been excellent. They've been able to get recruits, but some of their younger guys have started to uh, are starting to really uh, blossom. Ollie being one in one as example to kick six goals as a as a big man. It's a it's a pretty fair achievement, I think, um, Matt. Yeah, absolutely. Given that. 
of that day on Anzac round, we thought Jake Spencer yeah. would be able yeah. to exploit him um, with Nozak Clark. So, yeah, he's come on in leaps and bounds. And, and like you said, they're, they're finding different goal kickers, Ryan. They Ward, def- how they, how they much are... dangerous are they when they have both of them in the side then? You know, come a finals game, yeah, that gives... You know, well, Zach Clark, Zach Clark doesn't have to... He be... didn't kick a goal, but you would suggest he would provide an option. Yeah. And then you've got Rowe, uh, Scarlett. Even Rowe Scarlett has, has impressed Rowe Chris Hewitt. Rowe hasn't really hit his straps yet this year. No, either. that's what I mean. Like, what, and, but, but I think that's because to. of the role they're playing. It's, no. a, it's a more fluid forward line. So, yeah, great things happening for the Doncaster East Lions. They, yeah, well, I guess they obviously finished bottom last year, so they'll be very glad that decision was made to you know not, not make any relegations because <laughs> they would have probably had a fair, fairly decent time of it in first division had they gone there. Let's go to Blackburn where, you know, the, the Burners had done really well in the previous fortnight after a, a disappointing opening two weeks. But to be fair to them, they, had, they did play South Korean and Baldwin. Um, they come out, they got a win over Doncaster in the, in the last quarter um, and then got a, another win over Park Orchards under lights, which was impressive. They've then come out against Berwick. They lead by two goals at three-quarter time. A win probably would have pushed them. I think they would have remained where they are in yep. seventh, but they would have been equal with South Corrin, Noble Park and Bourne, um, which would have been pretty incredible after Good Friday when we we're, when were a bit worried about them. But a four-goal to two last quarter. Harry Money kicked six. Berwick get their first points of the year, Ryan. Not a win, but their first points of the year, and it will go a long way to keeping them up, getting points against those better teams. Oh, well, they'll, they'll take that, you know, especially after last week when they kicked three goals, 13, uh, in a game that they probably should have beat Doncaster 12-7 this end. week, so they so, obviously did something on yeah, the training track. Yeah, a, a big improvement, and you can look at you can look at a few games this week, and just you can see the difference on on sides that uh, can kick straight. So you, they'll take that. Obviously, they they get a bit of a jump on North Ringwood, who are yet to win, and that, I think that will be the the game later on in a few weeks that those two will be looking to match up to to win and really stay stay away from that relegation zone. But you know, for from a, a Blackburn sense, Brash, it's you know, you, you would have probably penciled them in for a, a win here just to just to keep in touch with the six. But you know, I, I think that would be the side that would be more disappointed for sure. Yeah, I think uh, I think Brendan Allen would be bitterly disappointed with the result in this game. Uh, look, um, that being said, we probably are not paying Berwick at times enough credit. Don't forget they beat Baldwin down at Baldwin last year, so they're more than capable. They've also they're. they're Bit depleted too. They are, um, you know, and look, out of all the sides, I mean, they were the best when they came into into this competition. They were the best credentialed side, right, coming into the EFNL in the last five years from an outsider's point of view. However, like Matt just said, they've been they've been riddled with injury and retirement, yeah. right? And I can I would go out and say that they've probably not had had their best side on the park since they've been in the EFNL. Well, mate, I would define it as their best side is not as good as it was. So I think they've had their best side, but like you said, they've been players that in that dominant era, like uh, Madison Andrews played last year, but he's not playing anymore. Um, uh, James Magna was a key part of those teams. They've got other players who have gone out to the morning this comp. So I think they're probably close to full strength for their current list, but yeah, your point is correct that that team that was dominating when they probably should have come straight to the east, and yeah, they they would have done a lot, uh, not a lot better, but they would have been a lot more hardened. Because from all reports, Berwick got a lot of very good young kids, and they got a run on yesterday, clearly. But at times, they're just getting a bit bullied around the stoppages. Yeah, and this, and like I said, I would like to. I, I would I would hope that they can win enough games. I'd like to see them stay up well, because I still think they've got big up up to so, yeah. Yeah, I do. Give them- 
if they can stay in Premier Division this year and give him that one or two years yeah. where you start, Same as start to get some experience in into the younger players, and then eventually, yeah, you you make that finals push. But oh, I think they've. You know, their form's been a lot better the last couple of weeks than it has. Because when, the start when of the it's a draw, there's always one side that feels like they've won and the other side feels like they've lost. You, obviously, we weren't there, but you would suggest that Berwick would probably be the happier of the two sides. Oh, given, and, so. and given, coming back from exactly a lead at three quarter time. And such a big game because if, you know, Doncaster have moved further ahead, we'll talk about them in a second. And then, yeah, for Blackburn, like I said, they're actually doing a lot better than I thought they would after that Good Friday game, Brash. Um, and we'll talk about the other games. We'll circle back to this top six debate, but yep. it is one to keep in the back of your mind. Doncaster got a second win in a row. Really, they should have been much further ahead. They had 24 scoring shots to 14, 7-17 to 7-7. Cole Vickers kicked three, Chris Anarchus two. Um, Anarchus in the best. Uh, Jake Spencer in the best as well for Doncaster. Michael Loco, Matthew Payne, the best for North Ringwood. Um, the the Sharks were down at halftime by 13 points despite having more scoring shots. Yes, yeah, they were. Um, and then in the third quarter, they kicked one goal, six to two behind. So really, it looks like they should have won this game comfortably. It'll annoy them because their percentage is still low. Their percentage <laughs> is still 70. It should be closer to 80. But they've got two wins now in a row, Brash. They're actually they're above Norwood uh, and yeah. Berwick. But the real battle is obviously between them, Berwick, and North Ringwood, we suspect. So... I, a big fortnight for Doncaster because they came away from those two winnable games with the wins. Well, they did. And the, the thing is with them is that um, everything is like a block of gold for them because it's one step forward away from that relegation zone because at the end of the day, you're playing Premier Division. You want to stay up. You don't want to go down. And it's just unfortunate at the moment. Especially a club like Doncaster, which I no. hope they don't take offence. They probably don't have that volunteer base. No. You know, of a club, like if we were to say North Ring go down, I think there's less chance they would really suffer because mm. a, a really thriving junior program got a lot of um, volunteers across the club that, you know, the women's, it's like there's there's a lot more people that might be able to pick up the slack and, and hold. Whereas I wor- like I look at a club like Doncaster and think they need to stay up while they, while they can because the, there's not as many helping hands to maybe pick them up if they do take the drop. They are a young side, North Ring. When I saw a little bit of that last year, my question is, that I'll throw it out, do you think that they're getting enough value out of their experience, their senior players, their experienced ones? Because it, What's their brand though, Brash? Because they play, a very, they play a very aggressive, open brand. They, they like uncontested possessions. I think we said on Friday they're one of the top uncontested possession sides. They like to score from defensive 50, so they like to transition. They're not like your typical contested ball, get it in the forward line, lock it in. They seem to be a let's play some nice footy, which is great to watch as a neutral, but it doesn't it's, gonna... I, is, it just, is it what's needed no. for right now? Because the situation they're in is they need to, they, this Barrett game that's coming up, they, they have to win it. So do you maybe put your philosophy to one side and, and be a bit more pragmatic but do they have the personnel? Because as you said, they are very young across the board. Their best players um, that are popping up uh, are quite young. Like Jackson uh, Brathen, not in the best players, but he had a really good game against Vermont last week. He's quite young. Brandon Leonard, who kicked the goal, he's very young. Like you know, Aaron Fredo, who they recruited, isn't overly uh, he isn't overly old. So it's a hard one to sort of. They're trying to play to their strengths, which is youth and speed. But that's not what's needed in a relegation battle. No, and the thing is, in look. In this day and age of footy, like the sides, the, the the sides that are more that are around that mark, right, will go. Their first, their first thing is if we can, they'll go to a man on man 
game style before anything because if they see that they're in nearly the same position, they'll feel that if we can win the one-on-one, then we're going to control the the, the, the contest for the majority of the afternoon. Whereas if North Ringwood are playing a game style that is alien to them, they can't adapt. And that's where I see the problem because the good sides won't allow North Ringwood to play the game of football that they want to on their terms. Yeah. That's that's where I, it stands. I, I don't know what you think, Ryan, but I would. I think Doncaster are better at playing these sort of games against the sides around them, but I don't see Doncaster pinching a win against any of the top teams. But I could see North Ringwood and a Berwick because youth, the style of play is a bit more adventurous. I could see those two pinching, yeah. if well, you know what I mean. Like yeah. I could Honestly, if you said to me, okay, North Ringwood have knocked off South Croydon, it wouldn't shock me as much as Doncaster knocking off South Croydon. But I also had no – nothing in my mind said that North Ringwood were going to win yesterday because it's a scrap. It was going to be a relegation scrap which suited Doncaster. And I think we saw that when we watched Doncaster play a side like Doncaster East. They just got smashed all around the ground. So I, you're right. I don't think they are going to beat a, a top side. But for North Ringwood, you'd have to be disappointed with – I mean, Robbie Nars talked about – the amount of fitness work they did over the off-season and they weren't running out games last year. They haven't won a last quarter at all this year. And that's, again, now they only kicked the one goal to three uh, in the final quarter against a side that, you know, they really should be quite Pre-season competitive against. Pre-season fitness is hard because you only really see yourselves. Mm. I guess Robbie Niles would probably have a measurement having played AFL footy, so he would he would know. Exactly- but, you, but you talk to some coaches like, oh, we are smashing it in preseason. It's like, well, you don't know what the other teams are doing. So it might very, very well that you're smashing it, but clearly other teams are smashing Ryan, it as well. It's the typical North Melbourne scenario. North you Melbourne... Go, no, you've started brashing. <laughs> North, North Melbourne thought that they were going... That their preseason they were going gangbusters until they got a few until they got a rude awakening and it's been a nightmare for them ever since because they're look, not they're yeah. not fit. And they, at least I thought, I thought with last year in some of their losses they was they were scoring a lot lot more North Ringwood they they yeah, were still able to get bigger me. scores you know a forty nine this week they haven't really they have they definitely haven't hit the hundred mark they're, they're the lowest scorers which is a worry because yeah. last year even when they were losing they were. They were at least yeah. putting scores on the board so that when they came up against a Doncaster and Berwick, they had the ability to, to outscore them. The, the worry is that their defence is, is still, I think they're the number... 12? No, 11. South Croydon have actually conceded more, um, but which is interesting, but nonetheless. Right. But, uh, yeah. but they're, they're not scoring, which was which was, was their, their thing yeah. last year. So that is a bit of a worry about them. Uh, the other couple of games in that Premier well, before we get after, to... Well, after this week, it was... The South Croydon have gone back yeah, to yeah, 11th yeah, now. Yeah. Um, so if we go into the other games, Vermont kicked straight 15-4 to defeat Park Orchards 11-12. Roville remain undefeated with a win over South Croydon. Overran them. So oh, South it's an Croydon, impressive win. South Croydon in front at every change. 6-1 to 3-4, 7-1 to 5-8, 13 to 11-11. Um, and then it was 5 goals 5 to 2 goals 4 in the last quarter. So 112 to 97. Looks like a fantastic game of football, to be honest. Uh, Thomas Sheridan kicked six for the Dogs, and then Matthew Davey continued his hot stuff. Rover with three. Anthony Broly, Lachlan McDonald in the best. Ray Baird got messages that Alex Frawley was enormous today, uh, yesterday as well. So good ups to them. So the, the ladder, this is where our discussion comes in. So the ladder at the moment. Yep. Roville undefeated on top. Doncaster East and Vermont on four wins apiece, but Doncaster East percentage scoring power is a, is a lot higher. Ball and Noel Park, South Croydon all on three wins. Blackburn on two and a half wins. Park Orchards, Doncaster, Norwood, Berwick, North Ringwood. Is the top six set brash? Because 
currently in sixth of South Croydon because of their percentage. Um, and they've obviously got to tidy up their defence, as we mentioned, and the number 12 uh, de- defence, despite being what a lot of people's uh, premiership contenders. And then you've got Blackburn is seventh, so they're two points out. Can you see one of Blackburn, Park Orchards, Norwood, who are below Doncaster, but we're not going to include Doncaster in this discussion, leapfrogging South Croydon, Noble or Baldwin? I personally, I, I had Norwood finishing third this year. And I know it's just the matter of the draw, so they haven't played Berwick, they haven't played North Ringwood, they haven't played Park Orchards, they haven't played Blackburn. But I, I don't think I don't think any team can get in. I know Blackburn can obviously everyone can mathematically get in, but I look at the form lines and I don't think any of them are going to be able to jump South Croydon or Noble or Ball. No, no I think that I think that. Yeah, you I, can't I, say it's set because it's only no, round five, but no. it's, pre- it's pretty close. It's 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 so hard when you're not only a one third of the way in the season with. So well, many, how about the, I go the other way? The only will team, Roville miss finals? No, no. Will Doncaster East miss finals? No. Will Vermont miss finals? Possibly. See, Vermont on paper looked the Would weakest. Be the, of those I think six, that'd be the only one, but, but they're, they're still four winning, and one. So. They're four and one. We can't like you can't knock them. They keep winning, you know. And as you mentioned off Airbrush, they won without Andrew and Ross yesterday. Who? Before the season started, we thought we were going to be two of their most key players. Uh, Baldwin, do you see them missing finals? No. Do you see Noble Park missing finals? No. Do you see South Croydon missing finals? No, I don't think so. It's done. It's only, done. Yeah, I, I guess. <laughs> I, I guess. When, no, I guess when you throw it that way, right? And you're yeah. asking for definitive answer. You're going on what you've seen so far, and you're saying yes, 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 yes. Because yeah. um, I. But for, I guess you could go the other way. Do you see North River well, making okay, finals? Okay, I'll go the other way. I'll go the other no, way. No, we won't. But, but, no. like, but can Blackburn, Blackburn, Park Orchards, Nord are the I, three that would that would still have hope for it. Yes. Park Orchards starting to just tail off a little bit, but they did have, what, 23 scoring shots to 19. So so those three sides, definitely Nord and Blackburn would have been thinking finals at the start of the year. The, the only one I can put maybe a, a hold off is Norwood. Just on who they played, I know they're not playing well, but what they, the club that they are, that their list is is yeah. should be good enough. And well, they, they have did, played Ball they, and Noble Park, Roville. They went and down Vermont. by three goals. It was an improved performance yesterday. Mm. They went down by three goals, 12, 12 to fifteen, twelve. So they found some goals, which is key for the brush. Hayden Patterson kicked three, Pearson felt them two. They shared around, but Jordan Lyle kicked five for Ball. And, uh, um, I was, yeah. I, I think, if we if we have this conversation. Seven days plus seven days. You'll know more? I, I think because I think the game that we're covering next Saturday is the key defining game on and which will answer that question. Norwood and Park Orchards for those listening. Yeah. Whether six, seven or eight are still going to be a realistic chance because they're going to have to win well, more who games. Black, who, and who have Blackburn got next? Uh, Ryan, you've got your phone out there. But yeah, well, Nord, like the loser of Norwood and Park Orchards, you could probably put a line through. Yeah. Especially if it's Norwood. Because if Norwood go 1-5, uh, Park Orchards go, what, 3-3? Three, three? Yeah. Right. Well, there's two games difference between them two that Norwood would have to find. Noble Park. Noble Park. So, that's so it is a, it's a huge game for, for Norwood and Park Orchards because Blackburn will likely drop that one. Likely. Um, which means that they'll be able to, to close the gap on them, but still... They'll probably I, hope that Blackburn beat Noble because I they need if, one of those teams to lose. If, if they're not putting away Berwick at home... They're not, they're not good enough to Blackburn. make top six, yeah. They had troubles at home anyway. Yeah, look, it's a very exciting Premier Division. I just I just think I look at it, and I know, like you said, Brash, it's only five rounds. So, yeah, some teams. But, like, Roval have played some good teams. Donny East have played some good teams. That's the thing, too. There's 12 good teams in this division, too. So, it's not like yeah. you can say someone's had a soft draw. If you're one and four or two and three or oh and five, it's because of 
the ladder doesn't lie. Um, but look, hopefully, because I did tip Norwood to come third, that they can get a run on or else we made to look the fool again. But at the moment, I'm, it's it's hard work to see anyone sort of jumping in. The one thing that one thing that worries me about Norwood, though, and I do take a lot of credence in reserve grade football. Their reserve grade is really struggling. Yeah, uh, Norwood. And so I'm a bit worried that if they get injuries, I don't know if they've got depth to cover it. That's my. That's uh, that's the. Gotcha for me. Yeah, it's, it's it, look, it's a very interesting. It's good to have an interesting Premier Division in, in terms is. of all this. And look, if, and with just a quick mention for obviously Roval, if they keep, if they keep on this merry way, we, we're going to have to keep pushing them <laughs> higher and up the rankings. Um, and then you mentioned off the top as well, Ryan, the race for the top four. It's the top two that get the double chance yep. uh, with this top six. So it'll be very interesting to see, you know, who can squeeze them their way into all that. Uh, we're going to go to a break here on the Eastland Monday Recovery. When we come back, we'll drop down to the top, uh, the bottom two divisions. We'll talk about Division Three and Division Four, where Coldstream have jumped into second spot. Started David Lager. He must have just stepped off his line there, guys. And uh, Big Gordon, not quite um, a dainty man, just snuck up on him and, <laughs> and took him out. And he's he's kicking into what is a strong breeze. He's going to probably aim for the right-hand goalpost. And this to bring the Tigers back to within four points. Yep. Very close to the man on the mark, though, here, Brash. The big fella. Didn't look comfortable, but he struck it pretty that's nicely. Right. Two in a minute for the Tigers. He's given it the double Cobra. That's the first one of 2021. The Tigers, 2-1-13. Welcome back to the Eastland Monday Recovery, and we'll jump straight into Division 3 and Coldstream, who were promoted uh, at the end of 2021 after an undefeated uh, half season in Division 4, have got straight back to work. They sit in second on the ladder, played 5-1-4, they got another tight win over Scoresby at home. They've actually been, you know, all three of their games at home have been quite close, which is interesting. We thought it was going to be a massive advantage for them playing out at Coldstream, but Warrandyte only lost by under a goal, Glenn Waverley lost by under a goal, um, and Scoresby led at half-time, although bad kicking had uh, Coldstream on the hop. In the end, it was the Cougars by 10 points, 11-13 to 10-9. Uh, spread of goal kickers, which will impress Chad Rogers, and then three snags for Ben Bromgeist and Cooper Denny. Bromgeist having a pretty good season, backing up from five the week before. Darcy Carrigan, second week in a row, he's dominated uh, for the Cougars. What you read on the Cougars, Brash and Ryan, because like I said, they're second on the ladder, four wins, one loss, but they've played... Glenn Waverley, who's in, sec- in sitting eighth. They've played Fair Park, who's sitting seventh, and Scoresby, who's sitting sixth. Obviously, the win against Warrandyte gives them a bit more of a credential. But, and who was the loss to? Uh, the loss was to Whitehorse yeah. at Whitehorse. So, look, it's a tight division. Again, all the divisions are, are pretty tight at the top, maybe barring Division 4. But um, what's the read on Colstrom? Because they're doing what they have to do. I think they will... There's five teams trying to squeeze into four here, so they're doing all they can. I think they are, and look... Um, at the end of the day, you can only beat the opposition that's put on the ground at two, two twenty on a Saturday afternoon. Uh, look, um, obviously, Coldstream and Chad Rogers, who is uh, who's been around this uh, this caper for such a long time, he knows these divisions as well as as anyone, and he would know that going up from, even though it doesn't look big on paper, going up from fourth to third is a bit of a quantum leap. And the fact is that they haven't, like uh, Matt said, they haven't had um, their home ground hasn't afforded them those big um, those big wins that they would have liked against the opposition below them. However, I don't necessarily see that as a bad thing. I would rather them be winning by, you know, the 
between that goal to four goal margin against better quality opposition than blowing sides off the park. Yeah. Because, because this division perennially always has three or four very good sides and there's only one or two sides that are fighting out for that last spot. And at the moment, I've got Coldstream and the Pioneers fighting out for one of those last two spots, Matt. Yeah, I, 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 that's how I'd read, Ron. I don't know if you've got a, a different look. So when they when Whitehorse do return out to Coldstream, it'll be interesting because I think Whitehorse won yep. by about three or four goals uh, in round two. Um, what's your read on this one? Because, yeah, like Donvale's scoring power looks pretty impressive. Well, look, and Brash just mentioned off air that their, their big test will come when they've got Waverley Blues in Donvale in the next three weeks. But they're a hard one to read because, I, I mean... Obviously, last year they were just that far ahead of everyone, and I don't know that in terms of history on Division Four premiers. If I don't think there's been too many that are of that high quality of that you know coming Calibre. out, yeah, um, and winning by that much and with such a strong midfield and scoring power up forward. So they were they were a hard one to to pick this year on, on where they would finish, but they're winning the games that they should, um, and then they were able to pinch one against uh, Warrandyte in their first game. So. They've done everything right that they've needed to, and it's just going to be, can they sort of con- continue that onwards? And like I said, I think I think in the next few weeks they'll uh, we'll get a better idea. But you know, no Darcy Fritch this week. They they had a couple others out, um, uh, a couple of midfielders. So look, they you know they're, they're getting the job done, and I think they're going to be probably you're right that that fourth to fifth slot that you know. Yeah, I think I think year. we all think Don Vale, Warrandyte, Waverley Blues are your top three seeds. So it is a race, but between look, to be honest, I didn't think at the start of the year the race would be between Whitehorse and Coldstream. Um, obviously, we thought Furniture Gully were going to be around that mix. Uh, just a quick word on Scoresby. I was I was pretty negative on them at the start of the year, but so far they they've done pretty well. Their percentage leaves a little bit to be desired, but I think they got pumped by Don Vale um, a, t- a yeah. few weeks ago, which hurt that. Um, but look. Chris and Bardsley's a great coach. Um, I think it was Will Spence or, or maybe Brianna uh, during the week, one of the interns in the, in the EFNL media team who spoke to Christian. And it was pretty insightful the way he spoke about, you know, the style of coaching. He's, you know, we spoke about Robbie Nahas before in North Ringwood, you know, sticking to their philosophy. It looks like Bardsley is pragmatic and, and has figured out the best way for Scoresby to go along here is to make sure they're in games as long as possible so they can maybe pinch them. And um, obviously they've beaten French Gelly and, and Glenn Waverley. And, and I honestly didn't think they'd get this close to Coldstream. No, plus at the moment, um, Roval off the field, not uh, not um, Scoresby. Scoresby off the field, um, not not in not in the strongest position. No, no, because they've got competition from other clubs now. For, yeah, the growth area, and it's it? in a growth area, and there's another there's a club that looming there, you know, looming large, and um, that wants to uh, be part of the EFNL in a in a senior capacity in a few years' time. Roval going very well uh, as well. So, I think I won knock on Scoresby. They do try hard, and I'll, I'll give in their due. Problem is for them is they they start well, but they just can't they finish can't it. they can't finish it off. And that's the only knock I've got on them. They do everything else is right, but they just can't finish the games off. And that could be yeah, you know, they're quite a young side, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, they're young, and yeah, they're young. Obviously, like Paul Chadwick won the league medal last year. He's not playing. They had a couple of players. I know Zach Corcoran's in England playing cricket. So they've lost a couple of players. So they picked up a few. Look, I've been really impressed with them. I didn't think they'd be going this well. So, um, look, but the race for, obviously, with double relegation, it's sort of, you you can't really relax. You know, we talked about Doncaster getting two wins um, over their rivals down the bottom and it would be a 
relief off their shoulders. The problem with the double relegation in Division 3 is you, you can't rest easy, and Fair Park will know that, Brash. They went down to Whitehorse. They jumped out the blocks, three goes to one, half-time still in front, 6-5 to 6-3. Didn't kick a goal after half-time, which is disappointing for them. Whitehorse, they keep the pressure on the top four with their third win of the year, 11-13 to 6-9. Uh, Giorgio Paparonis kicked three, uh, and then the best players for both sides, McDougal, Padbury, and Hogan for the Pioneers, and then Dulgiris, Byrne, and Walden for Fair Park. Fair Park, seventh on the ladder now. Uh, their percentage is only just better than Glen Waverley's, both in, both in the 70s, um, but two games clear of Fentragelli and one game clear of the Hawks. Only, it, the issue with what, them what's is- your read? Problem is they don't score enough. Six, they've only kicked six goals in the la- mm. their last two games. I think they've got a. I think their senior core of players are out of form at the moment, from from what I've been told. Um, and I think that's and it's it's being sort of left to the middle tiered and and the young players to sort of pick up the slack of the slack at the moment. Um, but I, I think. Uh, look, I think it's going to be a mid-table season for Fair Park at best. Uh, unless they can improve their goal-kicking and scoring capacity, Matt, I just can't see them winning enough games. Is this Fair Park or Glen Waverley? Well, no, Fair Park. Fair Park, yeah. I think early on they had, well, Gillen kicked two yesterday, but they had they had goal-kickers, uh, Tyrone uh, Fabrizio and, and so on, popping up kicking goals. They maybe lost that a little bit, but I, I think... I think, as I said, I think on Friday, it's a similar thing for Park Orchards. Um, I thought Rover might have it, but they haven't. You know, young sides, when you start like a house on fire yep. and you try to get that, ride that wave as long as you can, or I don't know if it's young with Fair Park, but you know what I mean? You, when there's an injection, you ride the wave as long as you can and then eventually the wave breaks into shore and then it's um, trying to paddle out and find the next one. There's well, an on-the-go surfing yeah. analogy for you there, Ryan. <laughs> but what we can see with Fair Park is started the, se- started the season – Hot had the wave. I think it's crashed into shore. They've got. A, I think they've still got to play Scoresby soon. That's a big one. If they can, they can beat Scoresby. One, they move themselves above three teams. Yeah. Um, the winner of that one can then probably breathe a sigh of relief for now, um, because obviously the, the second half of the year, you know, Furniture Gully might get on a roll. They're better than no one six. So well, that's the, the thing. Um, the question, yeah, yeah, that's that's the. I think that's the thing as well for Fair Park Scoresby, who have started the season really well. Is the problem is that the teams in the bottom two, especially well, Furniture Gully, we. We're still sort of expecting them to to rise up, Ryan. Um, it, it's a weird one. Well, we do. We, I mean, we keep saying it, but they're not. A, they're better than Owen Forsyth. They're better O five. They're better O six. Well, eventually, you're right. Eventually, you're going to run up. out of yeah. how many times you can say that. My, yeah, as you said, the, the scoring is the issue. Their last four weeks, they haven't scored. Fifty was their high score. So their other three scores have been when they've kicked seven or eight goals. Um, you know, their goal kickers. Uh, I mean, who they have this week? They had Gilling. Gillings kicked two. He's uh, he's been all right. He's kicked. I think nine for the season. Um, so they're just probably not. I don't know if that's a if they're not getting the ball down there enough, or if they're just not got a, a strong enough forward line. So I, I honestly, I, I worry for Fair Park a bit. I think um, if you're looking at a, a side like Fentry Gully when they get going, they've got Fair Park soon. If they can, we'll circle back one, to Fentry Gully just quickly because yeah. I, I want to carry on that topic. Glen Waverley, the other side, uh, who are a little bit of trouble, had to fall for the reserves due to a COVID outbreak, so not much I can do there. Went down to Donvale, 13 20 to 3 6. Nick Murphy kicked four. James Raza kicked three, best on ground. Um, 
Donvale will probably be a bit annoyed they didn't kick straight because they could have uh, pushed that percentage up even further, although they do have the best percentage in the division, um, Donvale. So three and two, though, so they've been a bit up and down. Um, and then Fertigalli and the Wavy Blues. So second time they've played because they bought forward the round 10 or 11 game or whatever yeah. it is to Good Friday. Um, so the Gully went down by, I've got on my sheet here four points, but I think their socials had it as 14 points. So nonetheless, a close game once again. Josh Williamson kicked three, uh, been impressive. Kieran Gray kicked three for Fertigalli. Gully, Sam Crocker was the Gully's best player. Sam Hale and Tyson Hale, the Blues' best players. Wavy Blues, 6-1 and one on top of the ladder. Obviously, have played an extra game than the bottom three and two extra games than the rest of the chasing pack, so they've got a bit of an advantage, but all the stats seem to indicate Wavy Blues are, are the real deal. Um, so we'll circle back to this chat you are just having there, yeah. Ryan. So Furniture Gully, 0-6. Fair Park, you're a bit worried about them. I'm worried about Glen Waverley, I think. I yeah. think they're in trouble, Glen Yeah, Waverly. I think Fair Park and Glen Waverley... It's hard to say because Fringe Guy haven't won a game yet. So it's hard to say that I think Fair Park and Glen Waverley are the, the troubled too. But yeah, I think we, we sort of holding out Fernshaw Gully that they've got a pinch of win eventually. The, the, the problem with Fernshaw Gully now, they've still got to play Donvale twice. They've still got to play Whitehorse twice and another one of the top, four, I think Coldstream maybe as well. Yeah, they haven't played Coldstream. So it's a, it's a tough, it's a that tough run. Gully? That's Fernshaw Gully. So it's yep. a tough run home. But, you know, I'm. Yeah, the, the, their losses, they've all been sort of that similar margin besides that first Waverly Blues game. So they're within within the game each each time, but they haven't been able to pinch it. And we, you know, we watched the pro- that The Warrandyte problem game. is, though, like we watched the Warrandyte game, and then you thought, well, if they play like that against Scoresby, they, they should, should win. win. But, but they, they didn't. Yeah. <laughs> like, as simple as it is. Like, and the same thing, like you watch them, and you're like, how'd they lose to Fair Park and Glen Waverly playing like this? So I, I want to yeah. think that they can beat those sort of teams on the run home. The Scoresby's, the Glen Waver's, the Fair Parks, the next time they play them. But as you said, they ha- they haven't done it so far. They've lost all three of them. So you know, it's it's a it's a yeah, it's hard and to it, hard to back them at the moment. Out of the four teams that lost on the weekend, you had Fair Park, Venture Gully, Glen Waverley, and Scoresby. Bottom four. They are the bottom four. Um, the way I'm seeing it now, if I'm thinking that Glen Waverley still will take at least another week to get back to full strength because I think COVID, you get COVID through your club, it knocks yeah. you around for more than one week. Well, it, yeah, but even like just missing a week as well. Like, yeah. There'll be so many changes. Blokes have probably played in different positions. Yep. And, so you, know. you, you would think that out of those four sides that you could see, you could make a case for probably the other three, depending on who they play, could get a win. But for me, Glen Waverley are at least another week or two yep. away from another possible win, depending on the on who they play. If Fentrigale pinched just one win, if it's an upset against Donvale next week or, or when they beat Fair Park, the I can see him against, yeah. winning a few in a row. So they're going to Fentrigale would have to, yeah. Oh, okay, I'm with you there, Ryan. If they can beat either Coldstream, Whitehorse, or Donvale. I suspect it'll be the the first two rather than the latter one. If they can pinch one of those games and then win the three games that they dropped um, unceremoniously, they should be fine. But look, it's it's an interesting race. We I guess obviously we prefer premiership races to relegation races, but obviously that's what the finals are for. So we can talk a little bit about the bottom end of the ladder. So it's it's interesting once again. But well, this is a, it's this a tight is, division. This is the probably this is your uh, your quintessential really. Um, division to talk about because you're talking about top four sides who possibly could win a flag as a, and the other case we're talking about four sides that are on the there is yeah. roughly evenly matched but in their own little 
set of four who could possibly go down. Mm. It's the it's a perfect scenario, really, because you know that that in that, in those four sides that are in that bottom four, you know on their day the they're capable with, of an upset. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. The thing is with Division Three as well, like almost every fixture. You, you could you could arguably you could make an argument for either side. There's probably maybe if the Wavy Blues play some of those lower sides, they're pretty ruthless. But the rest, like like you said, like like I said, Coldstream I thought would win easily, ten points. I think Scoresby went to Warrandyte last year, and yeah, no, they think yeah. well, I think Warrandyte went there and Scoresby beat them. Yeah, yeah, yeah I so think it was straight kicking, but yeah, yeah still. Scoresby, yeah, maybe maybe I need to rate Scoresby a little bit higher. Uh, we'll drop down into Division Four now. Look. Not too many games to talk about. Obviously, there's only three per week, but Sylvan pumped him. Justin Ficker, really, he'll need to mention. Ten goals, Brash. Uh, he's one well, of the favourites. Oh, well, exactly. Ficker really's having a great season. So Ficker really kicks ten. Uh, I can see every week in the goals, he comments on he's going to win the goal kicking. And he was just a bit behind his mate Lee Kimpton, who he kicked him. He got five. So he'll, you know, those two are having a little battle up the top there. Big win over Kilsyth. Kilsyth competed in the first half. It was only five or six goals of difference half time. But then the Cats blew them away. Uh, and then Surrey Park, similar sort of situation with Nutter Wadding, but they were ruthless right from the start. Nutter Wadding didn't kick their first goal until the second quarter. 111 points. Um, Maybe Surrey Park getting back to full strength. Some of the names popping up are a bit more familiar from when we saw them against Churnside Park. Ryan Parker Fox kicked four. He has a lot of skills. Parker Fox, I think if he can, I reckon he just adds a bit more grunt in him. He could be a real talent for them. Um, but yeah, look, big win for Surrey Park as well. Just to get you know they had the week off. They've come back ruthless. Got their percentage up to 150. They'll be again setting their sights on yep. Churnside and, and Sylvan. Um, they, I think they only lost to Sylvan by six goals at Sylvan. So, you know, they'll, they, they'll I, yeah. keep the fire burning. And I, and I think they'd be very keen to play Churnside Park back back again at home uh, this time. I think they'd probably look to be... I think they'd look at that game as a, a must-win, a must or they, a should-win, sorry. Just having a quick look at Sylvan, just for the example, the um, the average score in Division 4 so, so far this year is 13 goals, 12. And goal percentage is 52. I'll just quickly read out Sylvan. Sylvan are 21 goals, 17. They're averaging 143 points a game. They're getting roughly 38 to 40 scoring shots a goal. They've got a goal-kicking percentage of 55.3. And they're scoring a goal every five minutes. And the next best club is Surrey Park, who are scoring every, a goal every nine minutes over the season. If you're kicking, If you're kicking a goal and you're already... Our goal in five minutes, you're kicking two against their one. You're going to win. Mm. You're just going to win so many games of football. I, I we haven't seen them. So my only, like I said, I've said countless times, my only thing is their strength lies in their forward half. I think you have, the only way to win stop in the mid- is to yeah. stop it getting down gonna, there. But out of the sides so far, out of the other two sides, Churnside are third. They couldn't do anything about it. Well, I hold out more hope for Surrey Park purely because of Surrey Park's own sort of scoring power. But they touched them up as well. Yeah, but it was six or seven goals at Sylvan. That's that's what I'm holding out hope. I'm I'm burning a candle here. I'm burning a candle for Surrey Park purely because they haven't played them at Surrey Park. And Surrey Park were complaining about not having their full list. But look, it doesn't look... It looks like it's Sylvan's to lose. but, But I just think... If you can somehow win the midfield battle, because yeah. you know, however the elephant in the room is Forest Hill. Well, we they had the buy, so I think they were probably excited How, not not to be talked about. However, we will have to talk about them because well, I'm leading into that brash because you are? Croydon North yep. and Churnside Park. I said yesterday, didn't I? I said I've, yes. I've got there a chance. I'm big on the Kangaroos. One point in the end, so they came home strong. Churnside uh, early leaders uh, had a three goal lead at the first and second change. Uh, 
kicked in accurately in the third quarter. One goal, 10 to, to three goals, one from the Kangaroos. So they let them in the, the Churnside Park. Uh, and then a f- thrilling final quarter. Four goals, six to the Kangaroos, to two goals, two Churnside. Apparently a shot after the siren, 40 metres out on the boundary from the Kangaroos. I think he missed. Uh, incredible shot uh, by the sounds of it would have been. Uh, so they go down by a point. Uh, Josh Clavant best on for Churnside Park. Robert Hudson best on once again for Croydon North, the ex-South Belgrave uh, reserves running machine. Um, so what that means though, Brash, the talking point for Forest Hill is they currently sit in fourth. Their percentage is better than the other sides. But because of last week's win, Croydon North have obviously shown, and yesterday, have shown that they've got the ability to compete with all sides, maybe Bar, Sylvan, and to an extent, Surrey Park. So all of a sudden, the race for fourth, Churnside Park keep winning. So it's Forest Hill that are susceptible. Kilsoth have shown throughout the year they're up for the the, yep. the uh, challenge as well. So the calling point about Forest Hill is can they hold on to fourth? Well, that's the the thing is I, I'm not well. Forest Hills have passed. They should be holding on to fourth spot. But it just sent me a little bit of a it just sent a little uh, a little alarm bell for me when they got resold by Croydon that week uh, because. They normally would have put that side to the sword in in recent years. They came back out last week and sort of redeemed themselves against Nunawading heading into the bye. Uh, I, you know, look, I'm, they should hold on to fourth, but I tell you what, they're going to have to fight. I reckon because I think the other three in, in front of them, like they might, they could pinch a game against. Mm. Uh, they could pinch a game against Churnside, but they don't. Will not beat. I, they won't I, beat Sylvan or they will. Right. They're but, not going to beat Sylvan or Sorry Park. The no. Churnside thing is Churnside are a bit of an enigma because they don't belt teams. Just the way they move the ball forward, I think they're pretty defensively yeah. sound. They they have numbers around the contest, so they're not the sort of team I think that will get opened up. But I also don't think Churnside can open teams up. So no. I, Forest that'll be the game Forest will target because they might be able to. You know, they'll always be in the game. Um, and obviously Croydon North showed that chance. So I just weren't able to put them to sleep, um, and then Croydon North came back into it. So, look, it's it's interesting. As much as we say Sylvan are running away with it, right? It is interesting that all of a sudden you could you got. I think there's a big push for Croydon North or Hillside to really sneak into the, the four. I think that should be what they're aiming for. Well, yeah, they are. And with with Forest Hill, is it is it a form thing, or is it just the other sides have have improved and they've sort of plateaued? I think. I think. Uh, I think the latter. Yeah. I think if. If Croydon North and Nutterwooding and, and Kilsyth hadn't done the, the great work that they did this summer, Forest Hill probably would have got away with playing finals. Yeah. Mm. Um, so that's that's the nature of all sport, though. Often, you know, you, if you if you don't improve, you're pretty if you if you stagnate, you're pretty much going backwards because everyone else is running past you. Um, so yeah, interesting to see how Forest Hill have regrouped over the the, the weekend with the bye because it might have been the best thing for them, Brash. Because you know if they'd come up against Sylvan this week rather than having the bye yeah. coming off that loss, it could have been uh, really catastrophic. Obviously, not playing Sylvan regardless is going to be catastrophic, but they might be refreshed and rejuvenated. I'm sure the... they just didn't look at any scores no. yesterday. They just took a complete break from it. And if they, like I said, if they hold, if they if they're true to their form like they have been in recent years. They I'll should have. Back. They should have fourth spot sewn up before round thirteen or fourteen. They should. They, they should hold on. And one thing that might save them is the fact that another one in Kilsyth Court North. They always seem to pinch games off each other. Yeah. It's not like one of those is running away from the others. No, um, that's right. So it'll well, be yeah, you, you could still back. See Nutterwadding pinching. Well, yeah, Nutterwadding lost to Croydon North by under a goal yeah. and Kilsyth by under a goal or, or two 
two goals or whatever it was. So, look, Croydon North probably the ones kicking themselves because they didn't beat Kilsyth yeah. when they had the chance. So, if they'd done that, they would be sitting <laughs> in the four, which is, look, it's incredible to think, you know, three years ago, what was the brush? They were obviously fresh, but a mile off the pace. So, yeah. I, I know we said last week it was a testament to that club, but we have to keep saying it. Um, yeah, so those two divisions, and the thing interesting is, at both ends of the line. the one thing we did say yesterday, Matt, was as uh, as this, um, as a the years progress and hopefully other lower grade clubs coming in at the lower levels at Division 3 or 4, that will also give um, clubs like Nunna Wadding and Croydon North a chance yeah. to win games mm. and will uh, and we, and get some momentum. To be fair, though, if you took Sylvan out of this, I know it would then be a six-team division. But it'd be a pretty even division. It would be. It'd actually be quite an enthralling one. Silver and the ones ruining the party brash with all their dominance. Yeah, but well, like I said, I still, I still, they... li- I still hold a candle for Surrey Park brash. Oh, as you should. But the thing is, Silver are doing basically exactly what Coldstream yeah. did in twenty. Yeah, not quite as dominant, dominant but, but yes, yes, same thing. Which is a bit. And bit they annoying. were the second best side that year too. Yeah, the last full year, weren't they? Yep. Yeah, they, they probably should have. They, everyone thought they were a real big sniff. All right, on the Eastland Monday recovery, we're going to go to a break on the other side. Division 1 and Division 2, and there's a race for 4th and 5th in Division 1, and South Belgrave taught East Burwood a lesson. He's about 40 yards. He's going to have to. He's going to play on, run around, give himself some room. Set sail for home. Samuel Hart. Yes. He's got it. Back to four points. What a good goal that was. The Red Jackets are up and about. Nine, the voices of myself, my favourite. Ben Warren-Smith in the background turn. It was good to have him back on the call team yesterday. He was um, he was back to almost his best there, Brash. Had a couple of weeks off and refreshed and raring to go. And it, it was a good call from him, Brett it Weston. Was. As we watch Croydon hold on against Beaconsfield um, as we jump into Division 1 here on the Eastland Monday Recovery. The Blues now sit 5-1. They're third on the ladder because their percentage is uh, not quite as good as East Ringwoods. But they're doing everything you could ask of a side that was meant to be in Premiership or Finals contention. Um, they jumped out of the blocks, though, and really, on the balance of play, like I said, I've just pumped up Croydon's tyres because they just keep winning, which is the, uh, the sign of a good side. But on the balance of play, Beaconsfield should should have had the long drive home, and Mick Fogarty would have been staring out the window thinking, hopefully someone else was driving him if he was staring out the window, but he would have been thinking that's another missed opportunity for his Eagles who sit in eighth. Yeah, they do. Look, 5-2 um, to what? A goal or something at quarter time? Yeah, 5-2 to 1-2. So it was four goals of difference. Yeah. And that one goal, I think Jafar Ocker, who was really impressive, yeah. um, he kicked a goal late yeah, late in that first quarter. That's correct. Um, I don't know what Mick said to him at quarter time. Well, I think we sent Blake Tennant out to uh, – I don't, and I don't think Blake didn't really elaborate. Because no, Blake I, didn't elaborate because I'm sure it wasn't a it wasn't a appropriate whatever, for midday radio. Whatever Mick said, though, I think one of the, the Blake did say that um, when he spoke to Mick was the fact that and Mick, you could tell he was exasperated in his voice, he's saying we just let them run around with no pressure. We didn't put any. It would have annoyed on. him too because he spoke yeah. pre-game about the strength of their midfield. They've watched the tape. The midfield's really good. They got a good ruckman in Joel Koga who was best on ground. They got Ficarelli. They've got um, Jordan Lynch who, was, who goes underrated. They got Matt McKenzie. They had the wingers in uh, Christie and, and then Hotka. So they knew about how good they were, and then they just let them walk it out of there. I think. Look, um, over the balance of um, the day, look, I think Croydon still proved that. Defensively, that they're still they're still in this competition because look. Well, they're the best defence. Yeah, because look, 
Beacons felt in the final three quarters. They threw everything but the kitchen sink at them to try and, you know, to try and uh, and, and kick or to try to catch up and, and try and hit the lead. Well, yeah, even that like the last quarter where they had that for probably the last ten minutes, they just had the ball parked in their forward half and they yeah. kicked one goal pretty much on the side, sorry, from a free kick. Yeah, like Croydon's defence is. It's probably underrated, again, because they don't have, like, a starring name. You know, Murumaki got Trent Giorgio back and Shane Kennedy play, plays a great role in defence. And obviously, East Ringwood have got Mitch Keedle and, and, and so on that, that fly high and a couple of other names down there. But Croydon's back six, I think, was it Jimmy Smith at fullback who, if you if you didn't if you didn't see him lining up on the full forward, you would have forgotten he was out there because yeah. he just does his job. He's a dour defender, but every club needs him. You've got Billy Dixon who... Played last year as more of like an attacking midfielder, but has moved to half back. I don't know whether he did that halfway through last year, but he definitely played there yesterday. He's a great leader, Billy, of people, um, but also reads the play well. He's not overly tall, but he was good at intercepting, and he gives him a bit of poise coming off the half back flank. Uh, Jaden Seister gives him that sort of excitement. You know, long rangey left foot kick, bit of run and carry off half back. Then you got Fraser Smith, he was who was sensational. He didn't get in the best plays, but we did give him a vote. We did give him. We did give him votes. He he was sensational at just sort of like a bit of the general. Every time they had an opportunity to create a spare, Smith was the spare, setting everyone up. Took a lot of intercept marks, and then Jai Mortimer in the long sleeves. He's quite young, as Morris alluded to on pregame, but he did a similar role taking intercept marks. So really impressed with the, not only this the. Uh, personnel down there, but the way they play too, Brash, they always hold that sort of Melbourne-style sweeper, whether it was the two Smiths or Mortimer, and they want you to kick long. Kick it long, kick it in the air, we'll mark it. When Beaconsfield lowered their eyes in the third quarter and sort of chipped it around, used the corridor and handball, Croydon were a bit caught out because they had to turn and run back to goal rather than run at the footy. Yeah, that's exactly right. And, you know, look, um, Beaconsfield, uh, you know, look, it was their first time for us to have a look at them, and um, I, I walked away from from that game yesterday, and I was really impressed with them. Uh, I just think that um, look, they've got Jafar. Uh, what's it? Obar. Oka. Oka. Um, Matthew Johnson went forward as yeah. well after quarter time. That was a move Mick pulled. He was really impressive, jumping and marking. A couple it, of guys I was in. Tennis Stanton was a very in defense. good defence. Yeah, Undersized like, as well. Like I said, he's my height, maybe a little bit taller, playing on the likes of Clark, Britton, Costantino. Like, and he did really, really well. He didn't get many possessions, but for me, it was the one percenters that Stanton did most of the day. He was. I, th- I thought that um, he was very much Alex Frawley like because I, I, I just. I love the way that Alex Frawley plays football. He's Mr. One Percenter, Alex Frawley. The amount of and Tanner Stanton's very much in the same. I thought, and I think it's a new role for Stanton because he's obviously played. Obviously, the Stanton name is uh, currently infamous across the uh, Eastern Football yeah. League. But I think he's played sort of high half forward. He played a bit for North Melbourne's VFL. I, I think originally, I thought, I think ideally, they'd have him as like a third tall that can sort of zone off and mark and use his foot skills. But, yeah, he had to play full back and, and did it really well. I thought uh, Damien Johnson came into the game in the second half for Beaconsfield. was a little bit quiet. In the Tackling second... machine, isn't he? Yeah. His pressure was fantastic. And, yeah, no, I... and doubt. I thought he was... Doubt, a... yeah. He, he, the one thing maybe with his kick, he gets a lot of distance on them. Um, but don't hit a target. Yeah, maybe. And yesterday I didn't think it was... Always the right thing to do. Like I said, like what I'm saying, like it plays into Croydon's hands. Well, he was kicking the ball long. Oh, he was kicking it 60, uh, 70 metres. Unfortunately, 
<laughs> to ba- Croydon players. Yeah, because the Beaconsville players have yeah. pushed too far up the ground. I- I'd love to talk to Mick about it because I think he made me think in hindsight they were better off trying to find, when they had the kickouts, trying to find an option 20 or 38 out, give it to Bowd then and try to get the over the top. Because like I said, every time you kicked it long, it was if it wasn't Mortimer, it was Smith. If it wasn't Smith, it was Dixon. They've got to be uh, – Beaconsfield are not an overly tall side. Ryan, so they well, had, had one bloke over six three, and he got himself yellow carded. <laughs> so, what, what's their strength in that? They've got to run, mate. That when if they get the ball and they start running the ball, slingshot. Yep. And Croydon, I spoke to uh, one of the. I spoke to Billy Dixon actually in the stairwell on the way out. He was saying when they did slingshot out the back, there was a couple of goals where they did find, they got the mark on the wing and spread, and the Croydon defenders running back to goal, Ocker Johnson were a bit too quick, um, and the kicking to space, there was so much space, it's quite hard to defend, running back towards your own goal with so much space. So they slingshot out the back, a bit like Warrandyte did um, out at Wally Chew a few weeks back, with, but they don't have Phillips stationed there. They, they have all their numbers up the ground, because as Brass said, they've got no height in defence too, so they need numbers back to help out in defence. And obviously, they play on a massive ground, so often there's always space um, around. But think- so, Bash, the key point I take out of this, and yep. we'll, we'll talk about the other Division One games um, in in a tiny bit. You, you, you think, but I, I think, I think can, they'll still make finals. I, I can. Uh, you've put a good case up. I think they might just finish outside. So, fourth, fifth, fourth, and fifth is the spot. So, Croydon, Moorabark, and East Ringwood are, are clearly going to make finals. Moorabark undefeated after they smacked up a gully yesterday. Uh, we'll just run through a couple of scores. Seven goals to none in the first quarter after that game was obviously done. Mullet, four. Gilby, four. Jai Jordan enjoying his return to the side with four. Um, and then for Upper Gully, two goals to Rory Bailey. Um, Aaron Mullet in the best players. Kane Noonan once again for Moorabark. Uh, East Ringwood beat Lourdes. Lourdes, 3-1 apiece at quarter time. Um, and then the Roos just... Gradually pulled away. That yeah, forty-two point win. Um, oh, sorry, thirty-two point win. Just, just, a, just another win for East Ringwood. Um, yep. Ben Osborne back in the dugout for them. Uh, so that, that's a nice win. So, that, so Murrubuck, East Ringwood, Croydon. Uh, so they're clearly in top. So Croydon are in third, but they're two games clear of fourth. Yep. You then got Wanny South, Montrose, and Mitcham all on twelve points. Wanny South, Montrose have beaten the other two, but then lost to Beaconsfield. Uh, and then and then and Wanny uh, South have lost to the other two, and obviously Mitchum beat Wanny South. So like, there's a bit of a, a mini rivalry going there. I just think that Beaconsfield will get on a roll in the back end of the year, and I think they'll overtake. You know, they've already beaten Montrose. They probably should have beaten, or maybe Wanny South burnt them in the end, but they had the jump on them, and they've beaten Mitchum before in a practice match, so they know they can do it. I think they'll get on a roll, especially on their home ground. Exactly. But Ryan, that that race for fourth and fifth, it's just it's a bit of a Stephen Bradbury here. Who can just stay afloat the longest? Yeah, it is, and they're all going to pinch wins from each other. Yeah, especially exactly we saw that. What I was going to say, we saw that last year with with one turn of South uh, Mitchum and uh, Montrose uh, last year. I'm not look. I I, I I have Montrose in there as sort of the the fourth team maybe, but. Even in their wins, they haven't been overly convincing. They they limped over the line against One Turner South, which was a game that One Turner South would probably look as as one that they should have won. So, I think it's I I guess you know you get a bit starstruck with Gary Ayres at well I think as he's a added coach, an, I actually think mm. he's added probably another three goals to that side. Yeah, yeah, they're scoring more. They're scoring more than what they were last. They year. They didn't score much yesterday. Ten nine to eight ten over Mitchum. No. Bailey White kicked three. Brad Watson two. Mitch Davis two. Jake I think Renty the ground two. might it depends on my other Montrose ground watch too. That can be a little bit up and down yeah. too. Yeah, but anyway, that race that race for fourth and fifth. Like there's there's. What is it? So there's Wanty South, Montrose, Mitchum. I still I think Beaconsfield are better than Bayswater. So I think there's yep. four sides looking to get into that. Fi- that I agree last with that. Last two. Two, yeah. yep. 
And I just think Beaconsfield, like I watched them yesterday, like they should have won that game. And Moorabark, they had 6.15 or something they kicked as well. Like their goalkeeping efficiency was 44% before yesterday, Brash. It would have gotten worse. Um, If they can just find a way to A, kick straight, maybe find some height or, or, or something, I think they will squeeze into the five. But at whose expense, I don't know, Ryan. Yeah, I mean, for me, without having uh, having without having been able to see Beaconsfield yet, I've I won't uh, yeah. put them in or out. But um, I think Montrose should make it, and then I think Wonturner South would probably be the better side. But they haven't won the close ones, and at the end of the year, when you that's the you thing, look at that, that we, they make a yeah. it is going to come down unless Wonny South can beat a Croydon or a Murrubark, which they probably should have beaten Croydon the other mm. week. <laughs> You know, unless they can actually win one of those games, it is going to come down to playing those around them. And Wanty South have lost both of those. Brash, they have, and that's the thing. You can only you've you've got to if you're going to play finals, you got to you've got to try and and you want to indent on those top three. You got to start beating them, otherwise yeah. you're not going to beat them. No, but do, do, if you know, say a Beaconsfield does slip into a, a fifth spot, what how how do you think they would go in a final? Do you think that are they? Are they oh, just making up the numbers there? Well, or would the they style be able to... of footy, I think, means that they're not going to get blasted away the way they play because there's numbers around the footy. I, I'm, if they finish, if they win one final and get beaten soundly in a mm. first semi, I would see that as an achievement. That's yeah. Amazing. yeah, that would be way above currently. And I think that's probably looking on the balance thing. It looks like it might be the way it goes. With maybe not Croydon, I don't think it will belt teams, but they'll they'll beat them. Um, Murrumbuck have got a bit more firepower than East Wimbledon and Croydon, but yeah, look, you look at the those three at what they're already two games clear. Yeah, um, that's and that's at, at we're only at round six in there in Division One, aren't we? It's it's yeah, it's still yep. exciting because there's sort of other than up a gully, it's sort of like any team can is, beat anyone, but also like But if those top yeah. three if those top three sides say win their next three games and all those other sides sitting from third down start beating beating each other, it could be a scenario by round nine oh, they're, where they're, the top three could be three or four games yeah. in front of fourth spot. Well, they're already two games clear. Well, Moorabuck are obviously three games clear of fourth. But, yeah, I, I think there will be a, a big divide. But that's yeah. sort of like, you know, I guess that's the way the final five sort of shapes up as well, though, isn't it, where your top three are meant to be that little bit well, above. Well, put this way, the way the top two are going... They're probably not destined to meet one of those bottom yeah. four sides until maybe uh, preliminary final, even possibly. Well, they, but you wouldn't. You, you would think again, like let's say Croydon are the number three seed. You know, unless you would think that East, like an East Wing and Murrubuck probably wouldn't have to play any of those teams in finals. No. Um, but look, we're getting well ahead of ourselves. No, but no. I just, I just think that there's there's two spots available. One is South. I, I agree with Ryan on paper. I well, Ryan's got Montreal. I think Monty South are the more talented list on paper, but they keep falling over themselves every time they get a chance to prove it. Montrose obviously the Gary Ayres effect there. They're adding goals um, as well. So on paper, those two teams should make it. But I've just got a feeling that Beaconsfield, the way they play, that they're more likely to pinch a win against the top sides, home ground advantage. And and Monty South and Montrose have burnt us too many times. Brash can't trust them again. <laughs> no, we uh, we had to mention Monty South's. Uh, Score yesterday, they won 101 at 67, 15, 11 to 10-7. Liam Hewitt kicked four. Uh, Jack O'Keefe, Kai Barlow, three goals apiece. Bayswater, Aaron Cotty, Ben Travers, Bryce Galvin, two goals. Cotty, best on ground for the Waters. So, uh, impressive bands back win from the Devils. But like I said just before, I'm not sold on them until they, no. until they do something big. Uh, let's move on into Division 2. And the big story, there was two big stories um, 
East Burwood went up to South Belgrave and Ringwood went to Baronia. And it was the top four playing each other. Um, after seeing Baronia the week before, we were, I was pretty bullish that they would give Ringwood a run for their money. They looked good on the outside, the way they moved the ball. Um, their pressure around the footy was really impressive. And then, as well, with East Burwood, I thought with South Belgrave's injuries, Odomat out for six to eight weeks. Um, you know, I think they actually had a couple more players pull out on the eve of the game as well. South Belgrave, you thought maybe East Burwood, Boyd, you know, they keep passing every challenge. You know, I thought maybe this was their time. Well, the, the old dogs... Uh, put the foot down. South Borough have won by 83 points and East Burwood still kicked 70. So they won 23-15-153 to 10-10-70. Taylor Garner kicked eight goals, four. Uh, Kai Windsor was back from Eastern Rangers duty. He bobbed up with a couple. Best players though, Mitchell Garner and Taylor Garner. So Mitch Garner in the ruck just bullied the East Burwood ruckman um, and did really well as South Belgrave bounced back. So they sit second behind Ringwood, who are the only undefeated side as they... Three-quarter time, it was only about two and a half goals against Baronia, but the old champs pulled away. Five goals, four to one goal, two in the last quarter. 94 to 51 victory. Declan Hill with three goals. Ben Robertson kicked four as well, so he's creeping, still keeps creeping up on that leading goal kickers, but Sam Wadley had a bucket load of the footy as the Redbacks stayed on top of the, stayed on top of the ladder. So they're a game clear, and their percentage has only been bested by South Belgrave. Ryan, Ringwood, looking the goods. Yeah, they are. Not, like, I actually thought Baronia might be able to, to pinch a win. I thought Ringwood may be due for a loss, but speaking to a couple of guys um, from Baronia, they couldn't have credited couldn't have credit, uh, given more credit to Ringwood in just the, the style of football they're playing at the moment. And I think they they got within 10 points in the last quarter, but even then they were never really really never really never the, the better side during the game. So, look, that you know, they link up really well, Ringwood. They've you know started to find some new options up forward. Um, they've just, you know, I think it's a, you know, a credit to what what uh, Rose's been able to do with the, with the club that's, you know, continually performing even after losing you know, a few of their stars over the off-season, Brush. I, I think, Brett, you're right. And I think, Brett Rowe, when we um, when we had Matty Clark on pre-match the week before, he was uh, full of praise for, for Brett Rowe and, and, and the fact that um, I think Matty was alluding to the fact that he's probably one of the hardest mm. coaches to coach against. Right, you don't... When you come up against Brett Rowe, you, <laughs> it's very hard to out-coach him on the day. And... Not too many coaches can do it. And, yep. Well, no one's done it this year. No. Um, and, and, and even like when they play South Belgrave this week, South Belgrave just have a – they have so much more talent on their list. So if Ringwood had to win that game, you, you, it's just yeah. – I, I don't mean to be rude to Ringwood, but you look at South Belgrave's list, they've got like, you know, well, they've got three – what is it, two ex-AFL players, maybe yep. three? You know, like Taylor Garner's just you – now he had one week to warm up against Mulgrave <laughs> and then he's just come out and had 12 scoring shots. Yeah, and, and like Tim Smith's down there, they're putting him in the midfield because they can't fit him and Garner in the same forward line. The the thing is, do we do we um, was this the was this the re- <laughs> East had taken all before them? Was this the reality check they needed to bring them back, or was is it just a uh, blip for them? I, I think this will still be fine. More than um, a blip. I think yeah, I think we've just found that maybe obviously Mulgrave beat South Belgrave, but. It, Maybe we've just found that South Belgrave uh, and Ringwood are, uh, look, look a step you. above them and then East Belt and Brony around the mark. Yeah. And then, look, yeah. I still think the Basin as well, we'll get to them in a second. That Once they get firing, they'll still be around it. So it's still pretty even. Well, that, that's a huge game next week. The Bears host um, East Burwood. And, mm. you know, That'll the be Bears another just good starting test. to find a little bit of form. They've got a couple of wins in a row. They're really, they really need to just be able to pinch one against against one of those top sides to to 
you know, push themselves into a, a, oh, a I would dare spot. say if we had our around the ground reporters, I'd be sending one of them to that game next week. Well, we, we'd just send them to all the Division 2 games. You've got Ringwood, Ringwood <laughs> and South Belgrave and then the Basin and East Burwood. Um, I'm not sure who Mulgrave have got. They've probably got <laughs> Knox or someone like that. But, um, yeah, it's a, it's a really interesting sort of dilemma where the East Burwood sit because, yeah. But, but from all accounts, I think, you know, where do we rate Mulgrave? Like, I've been pretty bullish on them, the way they've gone about it. Um, the Basin still, yeah, once they get up and firing, you know, 11 goals, 23 yesterday. So they will, they'll probably rue the fact that they didn't get to cash in well, do they get against another, Oakley District. I'm wondering, if, would they get another bite at the Cherry at Oakley District? Yeah, I think every, yeah, every, it's ever. an even draw, so everyone yeah. will play each other twice. I think probably the biggest loser out of the weekend um, for me was Knox. Because Heath yeah, well, well, geez, yeah. last week I was almost sore. Then we didn't see that happening last week, did we? No. So Heath might have won 112, 16, 16, and nine six. Knox were in front at quarter time, and then only down by four and a bit goals at three quarter time, and then seven goals to three in the last quarter from Heathmont. Bailey Stevens kicked three, Campbell Evans three. Well, they, um, see, they didn't ground. play the week before, and, Evans and, went, and, and went and went one two in the best. So. Yeah. But a big win for Heathmont because it's put it's their second win. It's given them obviously a bit of a percentage boost, but also they're only a game out of fifth Mulgrave. So the thing is, though, with Mulgrave's emergence, and we talked about it with Division One, but with Mulgrave's emergence, the Basin obviously starting to find some form again, uh, and Heathmont, you know, if they can bank some wins again, I think they've still got to play Oakley District this week and Templestowe. Yep. Um, that that race for fifth and even Baronia's fourth spot. You know, because they, maybe they wooed us a little bit last week. Is still up for grabs in Division Two, Brush. Yeah, it is. I also think that that Temple Star Heathmont game's a fifty-fifty game for either side. I think um, it depends on where that game's played. Uh, sometimes that determines the result because that's one of those games where Templestowe might travel to Heathmont and get the win, and vice versa. It's all, it's almost like the away side wins that contest. So that one could go. That could go either way, and I think they'll probably and Heathmont uh, also if they're playing the Oak League districts, if they can get a eighty ninety point victory next week, that'll give them some percentage and some confidence, and hopefully some more players back in the lineup for them, and that might just set off their season. Well, let's crystal ball it, Brash, because you were doing a little bit of that yesterday. So let's say the Basin beat East Burwood and Heathmont beat um, Templestowe. Yep. Uh, or, all of a sudden, you know, they creep. The basin would jump into the five. Heath might have back around it again. It, it does make it nice and juicy, doesn't it, Ryan? It does. But you'd expect Mulgrave to beat Knox as well, so they should be able to hold their. And with Oakley to come, they should be able to hold their position um, for at least the next fortnight. I think with East Burwood's emergence, and then obviously Mulgrave's as well, a big dogs likely going to miss the finals in terms of the basin and Heathmont. And you, you could argue that both do because if Mulgrave keep just winning the games yep. that they should. They've shown that they're good enough to pinch one or two against those well, top sides. At the start of the season, I had in our prelude, I had Heathmont and and the Basin making three and four. Yeah, well, I, I had I had the Basin I, second, Heathmont third. Yeah, and I had East Burwood and Mulgrave missing out in the bottom three. So if your analogy is true, there's a, those two sides, East Burwood and Mulgrave, are now added to the mix of Yeah, it's Heathmont. seven. It looked like it was a, a clear top five. Yeah, plus Templestowe because of their recruits, and now it's sort of like, well, there's 
our top seven, really, because we yeah. still rate the Heathmont pretty highly in the basin. You know, they've shown in the last few weeks that they're still a good side. And Templestowe, look, they've been cruel. I know we shouldn't be using injury, but, you know, I think they were banking on the fact that they were going to have their recruits mm. right in yeah. the side for a lot longer than what they had. And unfortunately for them, they've lost them early in the season. So they've, they've probably they've haven't really gained any benefit except for that one they've game. Clo- they've closed the gap. Yeah, they um, have. The, the, the worry, it'll just be, you know... The, the the losses the loss to Knox is probably the one that annoys the most. Yeah, um, yep. which which is annoying there. But uh, Anthony McGregor, he he does turn it quick. So yeah, he's he got does. the personality now. Now to be you know, and now it'll be about developing the youth that were already there and getting them to play his style. Because Warren Dyke went from what a bit of a not a nothing club, but that was just sort of mid range to now they're a they're a proper contender after you know only two and a half years. Yeah, with him at the helm, uh, it's yeah division three uh, division two is very interesting. In fact, and, and like I said, we've 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 spent you know the last hour and a half this morning talking about all five, all five divisions, all the permutations, and we're still really none the wiser. Yeah, we are really pontificating, aren't we? After an hour and a half, because next week another chapter gets written, and that gives us another chance to reassess again what happens next week. <laughs> that's that's exactly right, isn't it? Because. And that's the beauty of the the whole competition this year, isn't it, Brash? Yes, it is. Besides maybe Division Four, where Sylvan look look nailed on premiers. The, every division, you sort like you said this week. You know, we've come in here and East Belt are no good because South Belgrave and belted them, or you know, Beaconsfield will play finals because we saw them play well. And next week we'll probably come in and, and change our tune all altogether again. Because at the end of the day, I mean, like local footy, like on the in the overall balancing results that I've been keeping for five or six years, yep. it's still a one. It's still a 50% game where either side on any week can win. That's And only the good sides that have got a better than 60 or 70% win rate have been the successful clubs. But by and large... It's always it's always a flip of the coin job. Yeah, every everyone, everyone's usually over like obviously there's a few outliers, but yeah, everyone's usually, over the last probably five six years has probably had a fifty fifty record. Yeah, or take maybe maybe your Vermonts, your Donny East, and and obviously the other end of the spectrum. Normally, the, it's normally the the it's normally the Premiership games or the ones that finish in finals that have got a, a six in ten uh, win percentage, yeah. and that's why they're playing finals. Mm. But the rest of the season, home and away, it's it's because you're at least splitting 50-50. Well, absolutely. We look forward to, to the week that lays ahead, though. Obviously, the Deakin Uni weekend forecast will be out on Friday. Um, and then, obviously, the female footy focus will be on Wednesday, also by Deakin Uni. And then a big game, Norwood Park Orchard. It's a massive game, as we alluded to in that middle segment. Um, for, uh, sorry, the first segment for those two clubs. Loser probably out of finals. And if Norwood lose it, it'll be... Downright panic stations out there at Mullum Mullum. Gents, thanks for joining me on this Sunday morning for the Eastland Monday Recovery. Ryan, Brash, enjoy the rest of your Sunday. Listeners, when you tune in on Monday afternoon, thanks for joining us on the Eastland Monday Recovery. I've been Matthew Fodia, and we'll see you at the footy. Down to the most important clearance of the afternoon. So Haig won it down. Wignall got it. Can he get a handball away? He's going to burst away. He's going to run to 50. Low ball to the top of the goal. Square McCormack! Oh, no. He put it in! Oh, he no. put it in! Oh, Wignall! He got through the Acosta Harvey tackle, took a few paces and then speared it to low to McCormack. He's been good all day, Billy. He started the day with an almost hanger. Kicked the check side for right in front of us. He can make a a name for himself. Billy, don't be a hero. I think they want him to be one now, Brad. 15 metres out, Billy McCormack's kicked it! Oh, you'll be Got Valor in front, 28 minutes gone.